Welcome to the Men on Purpose podcast, featuring dynamic conversations with emerging and established visionary men on purpose. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate the men on purpose who are committed, creative, courageous change makers, living their best, most fulfilling life possible. Now, here's the host of Men on Purpose, Ian Lobos. All right, Dr. Doug Steinbreck, let's do this, man. You got yeah. This is going to be a really interesting one, really good I'm one. I'm excited. I, I've been excited about this since, uh, since you booked like a couple weeks ago. I'm just, I, I've never talked about this with anybody of your stature and I, you know, <laughs> your expertise. So I, I'm really, I'm very curious. So start us off, man. Tell us who you are and the whole genesis of this thing, how this whole thing got started. Yeah. So what I, who I, who I am is I'm a plastic surgeon, but I have a unique area. It's aesthetic plastic surgery for men. And the way it started out was I, you know, quite a little kid, grew up in a middle-class house in a small town in Iowa and uh, didn't really have any, you know, role models in medicine, didn't know any doctors, nobody. And I didn't, I honestly, 800 people in my little town of Solon, Iowa, I did, hi everybody in Solon, I didn't. <laughs> that anyone from a small town could go to medical school. I thought medical school was for the kids that were from Chicago, you know, or the kids that were from Minneapolis or New York or Los Angeles. So we were all kind of farmer kids. So I ended up going to my local university and I met some other kids that had parents that were doctors and they said, you know, your father doesn't have to be a doctor. Your mother doesn't have to be a doctor. You too can just go to medical school. So I studied really hard, um, and I ended up finishing medical school, and then I moved to New York, uh, did my general surgery and plastic reconstructive surgery at NYU, and I decided to start a cute little boutique Park Avenue office in Manhattan. But this period, the kicker was I was just going to do like everybody else did. I was just going to go out there and do my faces. I was going to have my whisper campaign for my – little park avenue office and do the social ladies and do their faces and do the tummy tucks and the breast augmentations for the dogs. But the thing is, is there's so many plastic surgeons in New York that, you know, it was like, it was quiet. You know, I could, I could, I could hear crickets. Yeah. And I thought, wow, this is so weird. I've worked my life off to obtain this goal. And if I just build it, they will come. And I just, I wasn't feeling it. I knew I, I knew, I knew I had that, I, I was driven enough. I knew I was hardworking enough. I knew I had great training. NYU is one of the greatest programs for plastic surgery in the country. Um, and so I knew I had the right training, but it's just like you know, things weren't happening. And what I did was I, I read a great book, and it was Blue Ocean Strategy. And it was about oh, yeah. like doing something different. You know that book. Yeah. Well, let me, let me ask you something real quick. There, I, I, wanna, uh, I just want to dive into a limiting belief, two of them actually. One is sure. the, the small town like that, was that was that reinforced? Was that talked about? That like kids from here don't go places. You get your farm job or your factory job. You kind of sit tight. Like what was it that didn't crush you? That kind of gets you. you, know, got you one thinking? of the things was yeah. There, there, you really didn't have the role models of people that said you can go out there. You can be an entrepreneur. There were no entrepreneurs. Right. Forget about that. But and there are very few professionals. We had a couple kids where they're. Their parent maybe was one of the professors at the at the local university, but not really. Most of the parents 
were farmers, and they and they are, and they're or or factory workers, right? Or, or worked in a meat packing plant. So there wasn't that really that idea that you could have, you know, dreams. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with anything wrong with any of those jobs. Sure. But it was any. The other thing was was uh, I went to my um, I went to my school counselor, and she said, "Well, you have the aptitudes to be." Uh, 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 a doctor and you had aptitudes to be a hard worker for it. But she said, why don't you try it? Why do you think about being a nurse? And you know, there's nothing wrong with nurse. I think that's an amazing profession. But she said, no, you know, not really doctor. Why do you think about nursing? So I said, I want, I want to go to medical school. So yeah. I did that. But there's one really interesting thing is is growing up, I was taught that this is along those entrepreneurial things, the business things. I was taught that you, you had to do a profession that was about doing something other than money or like being huh. a banker or doing, or doing finance or something that was just about making money. Um, I sort of was taught that that wasn't something that you did. And I realized now that I've, become an entrepreneur that I yeah. started a company. I bought a, a, a medical device company that I can talk about later. Yeah. I started three different medical practices in three different cities. And I've realized that, you know what? Those bankers, those, the lawyers, the, the, the attorneys, the, the accountants, the bookkeepers, yeah. the real estate agents, all those people have helped me so much. And the, and the bankers and the bookkeepers and accountants have helped me have my dream to start companies that I never would have had the hint, the ability to. So I think back to all those other kids in a small town and you have parents or you have cousins that say, you know, you want to do something that's not necessarily money just to make money or money that deal with money. Sure. Those people are dream makers. And, you know, I could start crying if I think how much I appreciate my banker giving me a loan that, you know, that has helped me launch a business. And yeah. part, another piece of the puzzle of the kind of mini empire that we're trying to create. Yeah, that's so awesome. There's so much in there that we could, we could really like break apart. It's, oh, yeah. um, I'm, I am truly fascinated with what you do. I'm really fascinated by plastic yes, surgery. I'm yeah. fascinated by the really good plastic surgery and I'm really fascinated by the bad plastic surgery. And, uh, you know, I have a, um, a business that's based out of Beverly Hills. And so yeah. you, you get to see some really cool juxtaposition uh, or, or uh, maybe dichotomy of, of sure. the good and the not so good. Like the, yeah. the Groupon plastic surgery and then the your type of plastic surgery. You know what I mean? <laughs> like a two for one? <laughs> my, my favorite Groupon story is somebody down the road did Groupon on injection in your lips, but they were starting to the practice, you know? Yeah. So we're gonna do this special, and they made it less than the actual cost of the product, like where they're losing money to have right. money to get people on their list, right? It was a it was a loser, and so this person didn't realize, didn't even know how to do it correctly, and there was just a sea of people walking out, a line of people walking out the doors, and I saw like four of them that had two earthworms, one on top of the other, because there's a shape that you have to make with a right. squirted one right across another. And it looks like two earthworms having sex yeah. on top. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the way he injected it, it does not look pretty. And I, 
I used a lot of, um, there's a dissolving agent. Oh, I, I was going to ask, is that reversible? So I used a lot of dissolving agent, and I wanted to thank that, that person to, to, to <laughs> buy, because it gave me a lot of business, because all those patients stayed with me to do, uh, like, more. Sure. Education. Well, let me ask you something on that. So, there are... I see these, uh, these like Instagram posts or even like when I'm in LA, I see these, these women and, and nobody specific, nobody specific that I know just walking down the street. I saw this lady pull up on Cannon drive in a, a gorgeous new Lamborghini. And sure. I, and I'm like, I, I look over, I was like, Oh, cool car. You know, semi attractive woman. Like I saw from like right here, but when I got yeah. her lips in view, Whoa. It Did shocked me. Today, yeah, like, it, shocked, it shocked me how big and like it, it looks like um, it looks like you got punched in the mouth and like it's swollen. Yeah. And I feel like that's the association that I mean, maybe that's why I made because I was a rough and tumble little kid. But what is the appeal? And obviously you do men's stuff. I have seen men with sure. too big a lips on them, too. But yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> what, what's the, the appeal? To yeah. What is that? The DSL. Well, the thing is. You know, that's, that's I, oh yeah, I know what it's for. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm not going to go any further. Nope, so, nope. I, I, I think this is rated G. No, so, you can do anything you want. This is a, this is, this what, can be an X-rated <laughs> show if you need to be. <laughs> what, what happens, I'll let you lead the way. What happens is there's a gradient from Paris to, to London, to New York, to the Midwest and on to California. Yeah. And it gets more extreme as it goes along. I'm very subtle in Paris and New York a little more. And then once you get out to LA, it hits Beverly Hills, then it takes a sharp right yeah. down to Orange County. And then the, the, what starts out as pretty little pairs for your breast augmentation in, in Europe quickly turns to oranges in, in, in Beverly Hills and then to uh, grapefruits in Canada, <laughs> down in Orange County. And then when you get down to Tijuana, it goes it's out. It's out of control. Down. So... It's the, 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 there is a gradient. That's one thing. And the other thing is there's a feeling of like if people aren't noticed. In, in New York, people don't want to be noticed yeah. in California sometimes. And I love my California patients. Sure. Sometimes some of the some of the some of the women, if they if they if they're not noticed, if people then notice that they have plastic surgery yeah. and they sometimes feel like they didn't get their money worth. Those aren't aren't my patients. I have more men's patients. Not being misogynistic. Yeah, they're good totally. men, women, good women, bad men, none of that. Sure. No judgments. But sometimes there's that feeling that bigger is better in tech. You know, in Texas, we always joke around. Everything's big in Texas. Yeah. So for us, you know, and so are the booties. And same thing in California. Sometimes people want to have that notice Extreme. look on the East Coast. But then my place is, I was going to say, my place in Beverly Hills is right on North Bedford. So I'm probably. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're at Cannon and, um, well, if you turn off of South Santa Monica onto Cannon, going, yeah. going like down the, down yeah. the Avenue there. So like you're over by Wally's. Um, yeah. I mean, we're the first block in first block yeah, yeah, in. Got it. on the right. Got There's it, like a it. little okay. outdoor cafe there. And so, yeah. um, there, oh, dude, there's so many questions I can ask you with that. Hold on. All right. Ego and psychology. Hold that. Hold that thought. Ego and psychology. Let me go back for a second. Um, there's a question that I have about like your confidence. So I, what what I'm gonna what I'm gonna get from people listening to this is 
well, of course the guy is successful. You know, like I, I have some friends of mine that will challenge me on every guest and I love it. It's very constructive, very, very like loving. Yeah. yeah. And of course, a doctor of your caliber, right? As trained as you are, of course, you're smart enough to start a business. Of course, you're smart enough to run a very successful practice. I don't buy that at all. No. I don't buy that at all. I know some very yeah. successful doctors who are yes. bad business dudes could not exactly could not turn a profit if their life depended on it. Exactly. So what's the, the difference is, there? The thing is, is uh, first of all, you you have to be you have to be talented, but there are a lot of very talented surgeons that take over an incredibly successful busy busy practice, and then they immediately drive it into the ground. Why is that? And the reason is, is they just think all it is, is about how good they do the surgery, hmm. but it's not you. Surgery is a business. And when we have a business, we break it down. A business is great quality product. It's research and development. It's getting your message out. That's called marketing. Right. Also is a service industry. So it has a good, have to have great service department, but then you have, you need uh, practice development. So you need each one of those things, like any other business, to be able to um, to grow. And sure. if you see a lot of people that are good, they're horrible surgeons, and they have crazy good, or they have successful practices, and they're just a chop shop, you know, and really bad, mediocre results. But they, they how does it last though? How does that last? I mean, I, I look at some people. I was at Beverly Hills Medical Center or, or like yeah. Plaza or something. And yeah. I, I, I saw some, I, I, I was not inside. I was out on the streets. So I don't know if there people were coming, but I mean, I saw some, what you would describe as chop shop, man, like yeah. rough. How, so this is where the ego and psychology comes in. Like, how do those people stay in business? Who's referring those them? People, I'll, tell you, uh, yeah, I'll tell you how they do it is because they're plastic surgery vampires. They don't live on repeat oh. patients. They don't live on referrals from other patients or other patients or other doctors. They live completely on Instagram. And this is really a horrible, this is a whole other subject. Sure. You don't need to dive into it, but I'll just give you a, a, a little piece yeah, of it. Do. Is everything's changed. No one now, now they judge how good your surgery is by how many Instagram followers you have, which is huh. really dangerous. Yeah. People aren't even looking at before and after results. They're just seeing how many followers, and you can have fake followers, who knows? But they're just seeing how many followers or how interesting or how many TikTok dances you do. Yeah. And that's you're deciding to pick out who their doctor is. Damn. Instead the education, where they study, uh, what societies they belong to, you know, if they even publish or, or speak, uh, have speaking engagements. Sure. So a lot of people are Beverly Hills. They don't go to any meetings. They don't talk. They have no uh, national or international reputation. Everything is done by their Instagram. They have yeah. very sleek Instagram campaigns. They have horrible reviews. Yeah. And they have horrible glass story. You know the ones where all their all their employees say like, "Run, this is a scam." Right, house. right. Everyone's unhappy. This is a you know a dodgy doctor. But they still do good business because they're what I call vampire surgeons or vampire dermatologists. And they just keep on living off new, fresh bodies, fresh Instagram bodies. So it's kind of sad. That's, it's interesting you say that. Now I want to know, I'm still, I'm still psychology and ego over here. We're going to talk about that. Yeah. I, it's, 
I want to know, like, what, what do people, in your opinion, and people that you, like, does somebody come to you and say, hey, Dr. Doug, look, I'm, I want to get this done, but I'm really scared. Like, can you walk me through this? This, you know, this is my face. Yeah, this is my face. Like, what if you mess it up? What if you have a bad day? What if you have a, a tremor in your hand? Like, what if you mess me up? Like, how do you, you know, that, that's the part that I've never considered yeah. plastic surgery, but I'm also 38. Yeah. So, like, I would be really nervous that you, you would have a, you, I'd be the bad day, not to be negative, but like the bad right. day that you've had in the last three years, that day. And now I'm walking out like the, like the, like those people on botched, you know what I mean? Sure. 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 Well, first things first is you, you try and develop consistency. You develop consistency and how you choose which patients you're going to pick uh, in terms of anatomy that will be successful anatomy for the surgery. I'm a businessman like everyone else. I under promise and over deliver. I set my patient's expectations correctly yeah. afterwards. And then I make sure I get enough sleep, you know, no drugs, no bad stuff. Don't do anything, everything in moderation. And I, I'm, an, I'm an early to bed, early riser person. I'm very consistent about that. I always get the right amount of sleep. And I always make sure that every surgery day that I'm in tip top, shape you know i'm feeling really good but really when you do enough of this just like your interviews you hit it out of the park every time because yeah. you do whatever you do you're prepared and you do a lot of it so you're very consistent you have a consistent team and you de develop that kind of consistency so but i do get those people that are worried you know and here's what i tell them for most of my patients my most of my patients are total torso transformations the torso talks are daddy do-overs for guys that have gotten a little overweight. They have now have that mushroom, mushroom top. They have that muffin top yeah. going around their waist. They don't really need a body lift, but they need to tuck the shirt into their pants. So what that is, is it's two things. It's doing a torso tuck, which is tucking the skin in all the way around, either 270 or 360, circumferential, or we're just sucking out the bad fat and putting in good areas. That's body banging. We will get to this. Okay. But People know that I do a lot of this and that I am consistent about that. And because we do a lot of it, we get really good at this. But this is what I'm getting to. I just got off the phone. The kid is 23 years old. He lost over 100 pounds. Oh. Because of my YouTube videos where I have to deal with these, I love these transformations where these kids, Ian, they have lost 100, 200 pounds when they come and see me. We step off the skin and we change their lives forever. So what my plan is, I say, hey, listen, bro, we are not doing this for how you're going to look in a swimsuit on the 4th of July. This, I have a much bigger plan for you. Yeah. Your body is aging this way. These fat, fat, fat pockets are just going to get worse. They're going to get bigger. Sooner, sooner or later, you're going to wonder how you turned out to look like Uncle Charlie on the beach with the big body and the skinny little legs. Right, right. Mother, it's Mother Nature's fault. She packed in these areas of fat when you're a caveman to just survive the winter. We don't need that anymore. We don't live in caves. So what, I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a total torso transformation. I'm going to take all the bad fat. I'm going to body bag it into your shoulders, your traps, and your chest, and your butt. But we're going to take it all out of the middle and we turn people into an egg shape, into a swimmer's body with a V for the rest of their life. So that now we reset the tissues and the body's going to age like a 20-year-old, like mm. uh, like 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 Benjamin Button, like a 20-year-old for the rest of her life, instead of just these pockets getting bigger with the hormonal changes yeah. and 
ending up like Uncle Charlie on the beach. So I tell them that's what we need to do. We need to change the, the, the trajectory of how you're going to age and your body's going to age for the rest of your life. All right. So how do you, that's, 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 I've always been fascinated by that. So you take the fat out, let's say the yes. love handles and the gut and like the right. back fat and all that stuff. Yes. How, how does it, I almost feel like it's like a, it's like a recycling machine. Like, how does it not pop back up there? How does it not just, you eat a bunch of ice cream and then if, like, okay, I know it's, this, right. Hold on. Okay, I got so many questions for you. To you. And this is, remember when we, before we get, we got on here, I was saying that it's, I'm really excited because I stumbled onto something. There's yeah. like these things that you always hear, your mom always told you, it was stupid. It was stupid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Well, I stumbled on something that sounds to be too good to be true, but it actually is really true. And that's why some days we're operating. That's why we're booked out until April for surgery. And we're booked out with consults until the moving into May. And that's why uh, we're doing a lot of surgery in three different cities now. We're looking at our fifth surgery, our wow. fifth uh, city, our fourth and fifth surgery. We're doing research on because what I developed is a thing called body bank. So it's taking out that bad fat, like I said before, but here are the rules. When you old-fashioned liposuction, the, the guy on Park Avenue suck out the fat, throw it out the back window. Guess what? After you have ice cream, you're watching Netflix, a year later, and you're having a bowl of ice cream, oh, I had liposuction, so this ain't going to hit me. Well, guess what? You have a year of that. That ice cream is going to find, it's not going to pass through you like a magic wand. That ice cream is going to find new fat cells, pre-existing fat cells in new places. Oh. fat, inner, outer thighs. You probably had an Aunt Susie that said, I had liposuction and I never used to have fat around my thighs. Now my thighs got fat. And the plastic surgeon says, no, that is wrong. That doesn't really, yeah, of course it happens. Right, right. I need to be a rocket scientist. But just because you have liposuction, you better either decrease Increase your caloric output or decrease your caloric intake, or the other cells are going to, and here's the word, wait for it. They're going to compensatorily enlarge. I start, I call it catch fat, C H T C H, compensatory adipotrophic cellular hypertrophy. That means other cells, pre existing cells that you don't suck out, compensatory, compensatorily enlarge because of that Netflix ice cream that you have. Got it. This is how we change the game. And this is what I stumbled onto. Sounds like an infomercial, but it's really- No, it's cool. And this is the truth. If I can bank it in other areas, prophylactically, if I bank it into your shoulders, into your traps, into your chest, or into your butt, even in your biceps or your calves, then after, now we change the game. Now, a year later, sit there watching The Crown on Netflix, right? And you're having your bowl of ice cream. Yeah. Now your shoulders get wider, your chest lifts up, and your traps pop, your butt pops out, and it goes into the desired areas predetermined by you and me. Huh. And that's the magic of bodybuilding. So I have these guys, you got to see my website, you have to see my Instagram. They're, they come in, they never work out. I've seen it. They're like a big bowl of butter. Yeah. And then afterwards, they have these huge shoulders and this tiny little waist. And they can eat all they want because their shoulders just get bigger, their traps in their chest, but it doesn't come back as visceral fat. And conversely, I see these guys, I call them liposuction cripples. And they, there's so much money and so much time, they eat all day, and then they just go to the finest clinics in Spain, in Italy, and in France. Yeah. And they get all the 
liposuction five times. They're so scooped out. They go down to Bogota. They're so scooped out. But their gut is out here. They look yeah. like a bear. They look like they have so much visceral fat because they scooped out every bit with five different plastic surgeons, but they never once banked it some other place. Huh. Now they have skinny legs. They have a tiny little women's waist. And they have a huge gut. And yeah. they don't. So how do you, uh, do you actually, they're obviously we're talking, what we're talking about here is a habit, a mindset change. I mean, are you speaking yeah. with these guys about that? The, like, I think about the biggest loser, or I think about the extreme yeah. makeover, you know, like, you know, in, in our coaching business, a lot of people come to us and say, look, man, I like, I want to coach with you, but I, I've, I've coached before and it's not effective. And I'll say, right. well, here's the problem. They, when, when you coached before, they gave you a bunch of activities to do on the external that Four. add skills and shit on the external, but they did not shift and change the mind wiring, the brain wiring inside the traumas yes. and the bullshit that you went through in your life that actually shapes your choices in the present moment. We do that first. Right. We start to yeah. work with you from the inside and then we'll apply some skills from the outside. That's it. Do you go through That's something right. like that with them? I will. If, if they have issues, they have stopped them. Like so many of my kids, they they come from a house. I always check to see what the what the vowel is on the end. You know, yeah. it's either Lavello or Antino or this some Italian because they have beautiful Italian parents. Beautiful. I'm German, so I never got any. Yeah. Never got any of that food love. And their mothers, mama and papa, they I love you. Feed, eat your everything on your plate. You know and food by love by food. And so these guys come in and they're, they're like muscle. They have these huge biceps, this huge chest. And then they're just dripping skin because they finally got to college. Oh yeah. 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 They found girls or they found boys. They found whatever they want to have sex with. And they realize mom's not here to feed me. And if I actually go to the gym and I don't eat as much as mom used to shove down my throat, that they lose all this weight and they have all this sexy muscle on, but I just, I have the easy part. I just zip out the skin. So that's part of it is getting them out of their old habits and starting to get them in a new house. I had one guy in that his boyfriend brought him. They both turned 60 and the one boyfriend was a gymster. It was like all beefy and buff. And yeah. his boyfriend was like the intellectual nuthead that, that was a finance guy. And he's like, oh man, he's kind of chubby. He never worked out, never went to the gym in his life. So I did. I did body banging, I changed everything, I put it all in the right order. And at 59, 60, 60 years old, the boyfriend kissed me on the cheek because he said, I can't get my husband to stop going to the gym. He never gone to the gym in his life. Now he goes three, four times a week. Yeah. He started becoming a gym nut at the age of 60. That's so cool. It was, I call it the 180 mind, sh mind shift. Yeah. Like if you think a certain way, it's got to be this way or the highway. And all the evidence around you points that that's not what's working for you. You have to do a 180 flip. Everything the way you thought the world works, you got to turn it around and reverse it. Because what you're doing ain't working. You find that most people come to you because they've tried so much and they can't do it? Or they're like, like that example that you just gave where you're like, Look, the guy's never really been in the gym before, but I know there's probably times in your life, times in my life, like I, if I could see the results that I'll get in six months, if I commit to this thing three or four times a week, I'll go. Yeah. But other than that, I want to know that I'm going to get, I'm going to look like this, or I'm going to, I'm going to feel like that. 
other than that, I don't, it's not worth it because the pleasure I'm getting from just watching Netflix when I get home and <laughs> binging is way better than going to the gym and busting my butt and sore muscles. And- uh, that's, that's one of the things. That's where we have our five different iconotypes. And right. the first one is a male model. The second one is the dad. So I'm, I'm going to get to the daddy, yep. the, the athletic daddy. The third one is a bodybuilder. The fourth one is the CEO. And then the fifth one is, we call it the biggest winner. It's based on the biggest loser, trademarking. So... <laughs> So the one you're talking about is the athletic dad. That's where we do the daddy dealers. That's the guy who's 20 years old. He's at New York sports or he's at Equinox. He's on, you know, that Equinox that's on top at Century City that's on top of the roof that everybody's. Oh yeah. 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 So all those guys are great. They got all this testosterone. They're nailing all these chicks. They're having sex with boys, but they, um, once they settle down, they start working on the job and they, they have kids, they, they don't pay attention to their bodies. They get a little bit chubby, they get a little fat, and then they, their, their testosterone, estrogen changes. Yep. And so I work with a lot of these guys. They come and see me because now the kids are going off to school and they want to get their body back. So they need a little kickstart because some of that, like I said, ain't going to go anywhere because their hormones have changed. It's that yeah. we call caveman fat. So I take that and put it in the right direction. Now they have their kickback to their 28 years old again. Now they get supercharged and they're so excited. Then they go back to the gym and then they work on it and they finish off the rest of the belly fat. That's so interesting. Caveman fat. Caveman fat. I wonder about that. All right. Let's think about This is good to unpack. I'm sorry to use that word. No, please do it. Hate that word. You know that? Did you know what I? You notice I didn't say unpack earlier. I I I, know, I, I, I absolutely I do not like, like that word either. Dive in. Yep. I'm avoiding yep. the unpack word. Yep. <laughs> overused word buzzword of 2020. Yeah. yeah. Like, okay. Unpack. So the thing is, is here's how the caveman thing developed. Well, when caveman, like you're 20, with the caveman, the dad was like 15, 16 years old because yeah. that's when you know. That's when they had babies, you know, as soon as it can kind of like get it in, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You make a baby, you get it as quickly as possible because really we only lived until we were 33 years old. So the, the 25, the 20 year old is made really lean, lots of testosterone, run out and get that deer, that bear, drag it back to the cave. But when he gets back to the cave, the first one that's going to be eat is Mr. Caveman. He's going to give a little to his wife so that she can feed the baby because they know that they need to do that. But over in the corner are grandma and grandpa. How old are they? They're about 32, 33. But guess what? Mother Nature knew that this dynamic was happening. Grandma and grandpa are important because when dad's out looking for food, they can keep an eye from the wolves and predators on the yeah. caves or something. They're not dead yet. But they're not going to get to eat because the caveman's going to eat all the food. Grandma and grandpa are going to starve for the winter. So Mother Nature programmed in dialing things up and dialing things huh. up. So that when you turn 33 as a cave person way back then you start to get this extra fat to survive the window you don't need to, you, you don't need to be as thin because your son's getting the bear you're staying home watching the kids so that same thing has carried over to us now but you're 33 years old now you're 34 you don't need to survive the winter your your microphone is paying for your you know for your dinner tonight so uh, what are we gonna do with that fat that's the caveman fat that you need me <laughs> to move into a different part of your body for the rest of your life. And that's why uh, we switch things around. Every man needs to do it. Just surrender and 
We'll take care of you. That was a good, that was a good unpacking. That was a good unpacking. Was it? Yeah, you liked that, didn't you? So now I'm I'm curious as like the, you you talk a lot about, you've mentioned testosterone going down. What is, what is your, what do you also help the, these men with hormones and stuff? So I had a great friend of mine. Uh, owns a owns a, um, uh, a place called Life Med Institute here in Baltimore. I'm in Baltimore right now, uh-huh. and yeah. um, I had him on. He was like episode 192. Kent and and male vitality clinic, right? Anything you literally anything from the gym, personal trainers, testosterone, hormone therapy, like yeah. anything you need, lip injections, whatever. Except all yeah. their stuff is is really really nice. How, what what is your thought on? The, the the T levels and changing that with somebody like do you do the the on the exterior let's just call it exterior right yeah so so it's like there's HRT there's hormone replacement right what I have I have a, a thought sheet that's as big as this wall it's a whiteboard and my whole space is men's aesthetics yeah and it goes out it has arrows so it goes out to all these areas and it's nutrition it's lotions and potions, it's education. We just got finished with 68 authors doing our textbook, a men's textbook. So it's education, it's webinars, it's seminars, it's a podcast. And it's also um, uh, our implant company that we can get to. I, 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 my company acquired, I created a company. It's called Alpha Aesthetics and our national brand where we're putting out all our practices all around the country is Alpha Male Plastic Surgery. So it's all along with that alpha brand. But as part of it is a hair transplants, body implantation, all the nutraceuticals, uh, scar creams, uh, fitness, wearables, all that, anything mm-hmm. around men, aesthetics, men's fitness. And one of the things is, is strapping on uh, hormone therapy, HRT, either a hormone pellets or by uh, uh, examining your T levels and then following it. So we're little by little, we're moving into that. We're doing one, you know, every day I come to work and like, I'm, I'm, I'm pushing the needle that much further. And that is on hair transplant and, um, and nutraceuticals. nutraceuticals. And the HRT, we're gonna, I have a guy up in Boston who's gonna come down and be my New York uh, hormone guy. And then we're going to be able to offer that for men. Because after they've had the surgery, they feel so good about things. Like you said, on the inside, they're like, God, I don't, I, I know I look, I have my new body. I have my new face. Right. I look fantastic, but I'm just not quite as quick in my step as I used to be. Sure. That's where we work on the inside with people. We, have, we also have counselors and also uh, looking into uh, men's weight loss centers. That's really cool. I mean, it's a hell of an entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial journey that you're on. Really, like, I, I'm, 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 uh, I admire that a lot, a lot, because you know, there's so many people that, I mean, I, I coach some Fortune 5,000 guys, Inc. 5,000 guys, and there's so much left that they could be doing. There's so much capability that they have, Dude, and they stop. But you know this as well as I do. Yeah, you might be a couple years older than me, just a couple. I'm much older than you. <laughs> <laughs> and. Um, <laughs> so they they uh I, I feel like there's this 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 hindrance this stop point because of how they feel inside and then how they feel yeah. inside starts to affect the motivation on the outside as i mean as you know i'm just i'm saying this for the audience and i want you to just 
affirm yeah. this. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then it just, the, the cycle, the spiral just goes down. Yeah. I see these guys as they could have three or four product lines. They could have two or three different businesses. They could have a business over on the West coast, a business here. But most guys that I know, they just stop at the one because there's so much yeah. on their plate. And I think it's right. self-induced. I, I love the fact that you're just going for it. Got a textbook and you got this thing and the hair. Tra- like, I love it. I love it. It's so cool. Well, what, I, what I learned about is like those C's that you talk about where you, you find something and you're going to commit to it. Yeah. And then the challenges, but when, when you commit to it, um, you gain confidence when you get success and then you gain capabilities by what you learn about it. I've learned my very first thing was just like, uh, I have my little practice in Europe. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna build a men's website. Well, work. Then I built, I cut and pasted it to Beverly Hills. I didn't know what I was doing, but I did. Then now I just went out and did Chicago and I leased a whole office. I had no business leasing the, you know, half of the 21st floor in North Michigan. What am I doing? But it's because I gained the confidence. And what it is, it's, it's a circle of C's of this confidence and capability and commitment thing that takes you up a staircase and you keep on going up that tower and you rise up. The other thing I've learned is the power to pull away. I'm a big, I'm a big vision kind of person. I never sweat the details. Anytime I'm ENTJ, if you know your Myers-Briggs, I'm yep. ENTJ, which I'm like one of those annoying Napoleons. It's just got to go around kicking ass. And so <laughs> I don't have time for the people that are like, well, you can't do that because I said, you know what? Just wait. We've got 50 ways to figure that out. You're way too granular for me. We're just working on the big picture. And we'll be able to figure out your stupid little node later. And we have 50 ways to do it. And I just learned to like steamroll through the node and the negativity. And like so many of these things, like I'm sure you teach your clients, get away from the people that say no. Yes. And get that whole whole thing about your circle of five friends or the people that represent you the people that are lift you up and that's who you are is, is the sum of your five friends. Look around. Look at, and I've learned when I first came to town, like I wanted to have good friends and I still have a lot of good social friends, but when I first came to town, it was like building my plastic surgery practice and going to the fancy party and the right party and this and that. Now I do enjoy that. I do have my friends, you know, but I, I've, I've developed so many new entrepreneurial friends. Yeah. So many, business friends and I, and I didn't realize that they were going to like me i thought like, they were going to try and steal my idea which is another thing they don't want your idea they got their own idea because we all know as entrepreneurs you gotta have a good idea but you have to work your ass off and be organized yeah. to your, own, your own idea nobody else has time or they don't want to do they're doing their own thing right i've also learned a lot of people that are happy and interested in just want to hear what you're doing are interested and give you free advice because they learn by what, by what you're doing, you learn by what they're doing. Totally. And I just met so interesting, friendly people. The other thing I'm going to say is, if you're a doctor or, or if you didn't get an MBA, which I never got an MBA, I didn't even go to business school, but you can learn a whole lot. Uh, I didn't even know what a flow, you know, cash flow was. I didn't know what a P&L was. Really? When I started my practice, hello. I what didn't do you know, just I didn't, trial by fire? I didn't know what P&L, know what P&L stood for. I didn't. How do you not yeah. know that? And, and this is stereotyping, but how do you no, not know that? You're, no, you're, you're just... Because I never ran a business, never took a business class. I True. just took history. 
and I just took calculus and I got into medical school and I learned how to do a right hand colectomy and then a facelift. Nobody ever taught me anything about business. I had to read it in books or watch it on YouTube. Yeah. But so much. What I would say to those people out there, if you're intimidated because you didn't have a business career or you didn't get an MBA, that you know you can, as long as you have a good idea and you learn about some things. I've learned so much about real estate and I enjoy it. I've learned so much about banking. I've learned so much about how these processes, the legal processes, about uh, mergers and acquisitions. I went when I bought my company. Don't tell anybody. I went out and got M&A for for dummies. I got the book. I, <laughs> I love it though. Mergers and acquisitions for dummies. And I read that thing back and forth and I just had enough, you know, you fake it until you make it. I, I knew the lingo. I knew what they talked about. I could throw out a few words so they didn't think I was a total idiot. And then I, and I got through it and I bought my first company and they gave me the courage and the confidence to, to then go and acquire another company. Right now I'm selling out of the land for my new company because I want to move it from Carson City. I want to move it to Reno. So I just said, hey, I would have never thought of doing this 10 years ago. Right. I have the power and I have the confidence and I have the capital to say, hey, we're going to pull up stakes. We need, we, there's, a, there's a good pool of, of really good people in Reno. We need to get to those people. So we love our employees. We're going to take them with us to Reno, but we're going to go. We're selling this place. We're going to get a new place and we need this to build this company. So there's a lot of stuff in there I have questions on. I'm writing down as fast as I can. Obviously, your leverage is key. The people that work for you and help yeah. you, it's key. They have to believe in your vision, yeah. what's right. So I always tell people, cast your vision everywhere. The people that say you're dumb, get rid of them. The people that right. challenge you on it in a really smart way, like they support you, but they're just questioning the vision, they might be worth to keep yeah. around because they're going to be the ones yeah. that help you course correct as us, as the crazy run out front and just start screaming and try and figure stuff out. Yeah. We, we need to get roped in. How, by the way, I have had a right hemoclectomy. That's really ironic that you said that. Oh, have you? Yeah. yeah did I was, do it? When I was 19. Did you do it? Did you have it done at NYU? No, no, in Baltimore. At GDMC. Uh, I didn't do it. Yeah, no, you didn't but do I probably it. know who you did. Who did it? <laughs> but I, got, I, got, uh, I got diagnosed with Crohn's in like 2003. Oh, but you know what, man? I, I against, the, against the medical advice which was steroids yes. and surgery steroids yeah. and surgery every two years my, my mom said look I, I think we can do it a different way because man i went from 145 pounds to 205 pounds and it was like as you wow. as you see me now in shape i'm like 180 pounds but wow. that was it was you rough have to send me your, you have to send me your before pictures and then we'll i will I will. I will. No, I listen. When are you out in Beverly Hills? Because I'm out there every three weeks. I want to come meet you. I'm out there. I, we're going to have dinner because I'm out there every four weeks. I'm out there once a month. It's always the third week of the month. Okay. All right. That'll, we'll, we'll make that work. All right. Going back. Little wallets. What happens when you fail? What happens? Like, I know you failed. Don't tell me you haven't. You have got to have failed at something. You have to. You yeah. have to fail. What happens when you My, fail? Mr. My eighth grade teacher, I don't remember all, like, I remember he taught me something about Babylonia and the Tigris River. I remember there was something about that. Yeah. Something about the empire. But I do remember he said this one thing. It was the most important thing Mr. Hagenfeld ever taught me was that if you reach every single goal, because I thought, I thought if you don't reach every single goal, you're a failure. And he said, if you reach every, if you reach every single goal, you're a failure. Because if you reach every single goal, then you didn't have goals high enough. Too low, yeah. Too low. It's almost a cliche. But for an eighth grade, that was startling. And that was, that was a revelation for me. 
And that's when I realized two things. Goals need to go higher. And secondly, don't be afraid if you fail. And don't be, don't be afraid. You just need to learn. It's a learning experience. You know, like, what do they say out in, um, out in San Francisco? They say, like, if you haven't failed six times, then you're not, you're not a success, you know? Love you that. have to fail. I mean, because failing is the only way you're going to learn. And that's how you put hair on your chest or other places, right? Yep, yep. But you have to because uh, your goals aren't high enough if you haven't failed. And yeah, absolutely, I have. That's uh, what's the I'm biggest, the what's the biggest, and listen, let's not call them failures, right? Because they're, they're really just lessons learned. Like my dad said to me when I, I, I didn't want to go to college. I thought I was a waste of money. I didn't, I, there's no professional needed, like no degree needed for what I do. You know, I was going to sell, I was going to work for my dad at his shipping company. And then I was going to, you know, dabble in real estate investment. But he said, look, you, you know, society says you got to have a piece of paper. I'm paying for it. Just go to college. And I remember talking to him and he said, look, I want you to get into as much shit as you can get into in college, right? Not just girls, not, don't, don't, like, don't worry about classes. I know you're smart enough. I don't need you to bring home straight A's. This was probably something that saved my ass. Do not bring home straight A's. I know you can do that. Don't bring home straight D's. I know you're better than that. I want you to have a well-rounded education. I want you hanging and partying and going to club events and playing some sports and you know, if you want to join a fraternity, like I want you to have a well-rounded education. Right. But he said to me, I want you to fuck up as much as possible. I want you to fail as much as you can. And I was like, why? And he said, because that's the only way you learn, son. If it, the, the harder it stings, the more you won't yeah. go back to that well. Your brain just won't let you. Just, that's just psychology. Yeah. And so yeah. I can definitely tell you I – I made a lot of mistakes <laughs> in college, a lot of mistakes. And, and it helped me in my entrepreneurial journey. And I'll, granted, I, it's not that I haven't made huge mistakes. I've made huge mistakes in my entrepreneurial journey from my ego, cutting checks at my butt, cutting cash, and yeah. from choosing the wrong partners, from choosing the wrong partners. Wow. Yeah. But yeah. that's, you know, that's whatever. It's, those are big, heavy, stinging lessons. How do you trust all the people, especially in your field where you're heavily regulated, right? Boards. Yeah. How do you trust all the people that you hire to work the front desk and that you hire like other, other surgeons that you hire to come into your practice? How do you, how do they hold your standard? Cause it's your standard that everybody wants. Yeah. It, it, that's, that's a great question. It's a tough answer that, that, but the answer is first of all, I hate to say it, but with the people around you that hand, handle money and, and handle the responsibility, that old, you know that old saying, it's not what you expect, it's what you inspect. Right. So you just got to make sure that, that, that there's reporting um, and you have to make sure that there are ways to like uh, keep tabs on people. Uh, that's the one thing. I hate to say it, that's the world, that's the world we live in. But uh, also if people know that that you're doing it, the more likely just to do things by the straight and narrow. True. In terms of surgeons, uh, I really invest in the surgeons. I just finished um, training a uh, surgeon for almost a year now. Fantastic surgeon uh, for uh, from NYU that we hope will be one of our one of our next surgeons in one of our next cities. Fantastic kid, great quality, super honest kid great skills, really good patient care. And it, over the year, he, he's this last year, he's taken such great care of my patients. I know that he'll be the sure. right person to take over that office, whatever office we would put him in. 
So that's, that's, you sort of you try them out, you train them well, you invest in them, you give them good enough money that it's worth it. Our payroll is crazy. I can imagine. When other plastic, when other plastic surgeons hear my payroll, they have a heart attack. <laughs> when they hear that my, that my, that the, that my health sales person is making more than 90% of the rest of the plastic surgeons in the United States, they have a heart attack. I have a heart attack when I see the, the money, the check being written. <laughs> I'm but sure. It's a business. You want good people around you. You want the right butts on the bus seats. And you, and you have to, you have to, you have to keep them and you have to pay them well and pay them. Not, not everybody works for money. This is another thing I've learned. It's not just about money. We all think it is, but people want to be appreciated. They want to be respected. We don't allow people to treat people like CRAP around here. And we treat everybody with respect the way we would want to be treated. And people, it's not just about the holiday bonus. It's really about every once in a while I go around and I'll write a thank you note for my, one of my employees. I'll say, man, that was really awesome. And to them, that's, that's, that's worth more than a $100 Starbucks card. It really is. Oh, totally. A hundred percent. That feeds that uh, words of affirmations, love language. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Love so how, what about, you know, in, in, in any of my businesses I built, you know, when a, a, a high level admin or like uh, employees that I hire, they're going to make mistakes in the medical field. Like that surgeon is, is trained and he's coming out of what, 12 or 16 years of schooling. So this, this, yeah, this isn't like, this isn't like a slouch. He is trained in plastic surgery. Yeah. But you know, do you have enough clinical, like, do you have enough knife time or, or like time on the task that even at, this is a problem with our fellowship? Yeah. We, we start surgery every day, three, sometimes four, sometimes five days a week. When after COVID, we had six days a week. Uh, and we routinely do like full week surgery camps in, in Beverly Hills where we yeah. just go out there and do. I call it summer. I call it summer camp, where we just do a full week of surgery, just surgery. So my fellow, I laugh because when we start at six a.m. and we're finishing up the last case at eight a.m., eight p.m. and we've just done fourteen hours of surgery, I turn to him and I'm saying, "Are you are you getting enough burning time here?" Yeah, here? exactly. He's like exhausted and <laughs> he's working three times as hard, getting three times as much surgical experience. I feel guilty because he's working so hard. They're like sure. overworking him, but he's here to learn and he's grateful and appreciative for that extra work. But most of the other fellows uh, that are doing fellowships in plastic surgery, like they're done by the end of the day. A lot of them are at the end of the day, like four o'clock or three o'clock. Yeah. Sometimes. So, uh, you know, it's really demanding, you know, he's dead tired when he hits his pillow, but sure. he's grateful and he's getting enough night time guaranteed. Guaranteed. I love that. I mean, I'm, I'm the one doing all the surgery. He's observing surgery and maybe a help with a stitch, but um, but he's getting plenty of time uh, sure. with me. Now, are you like obviously you do you do you as a surgeon have different? These are just my like my my own things I want to know. Do you have like a different little task to do a breast implant, let's say, than the guy than like three other surgeons that came in the room? They have a little bit different way. So are you saying to the yeah. to the fellow like, hey, by the way, FYI, like watch how I slit, tuck this, roll this, put this here, but it's the same. It's very systematized. You're like, you're systematized, right? 
Yeah, it's, it's, I have two stories. One story is, at first, you just used to think there's just one way of doing things. I went to the most magical uh, residency programs for plastic surgery, that's NYU, because they have a great, I mean, amazing uh, department where they do face transplants and do uh, have, also have the training of handling Bellevue, where we, we were the surgeon there, so we got so much experience. But then we had the benefit of going out to Manhattan Ioneer. They had all the fancy plastic surgeons of the 90s and the millennial, the Astons, the Bakers, the Balls, all these guys are famous. And you just went down to every room and you saw how each one did it. You took a little bit from everyone. So as I'm doing the surgery, I can hear each doctor in each room tell me, now, Doug, you put this stitch in this way, you pull this up this way. The other doctor tells me this, just like you hear your mom in one ear and your yep. dad in another yep. ear. And that's the person, I become the amalgamation of it. That's one story. But then the second thing is, is I went a different route. So I started doing men's surgery. So I'm doing things, forearm implants, abdominal implants, things that have never even been done before. Yeah. I do on a routine basis. So I had to make a lot of stuff up <laughs> from anatomy. But I told the patient, look, we're doing something new. I do the same implant here. I'm just going to do it in a different spot. I'll be honest, you're the first person that we're doing that. But now I've done more and more and more of this. And we wrote the textbook on all these new techniques. That's so, so even cool. though I have that for other things, our, our two-step torso touch, all this body banking, it was all new. People haven't really done so much of this before. And uh, uh, I do it in the abs. No one's ever and no, no one's ever done abdominal highlights with liposome transfer before to get that special highlight. And so we do a lot of this like uh, funky new innovative stuff, but it really works. So when I'm telling people, it's funny, whenever I tell them, the resident, I say, you know who, who taught me how to do this? And they'll say, I know, nobody. Because the answer is like, you know who taught me to put on that pec implant? Nobody. Nobody, you know yeah. Me to nobody. You know who taught me to put in these ab implants? Nobody. And so he's like, I know nobody. Okay. A forearm it. implant? I've never heard. I've yeah. never heard of that. Well, a lot of these things, I mean, you see guys that have like really great chest, great pecs, and then no calves. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. They're just skipping leg day. Like, it's just they have bad genes. That's the best thing for our implant and our implant companies is we're serving a service. Most of the plastic surgery that I do are guys, not just the routine daddy do overs and the the like torso tucks, but it's a lot of people that have had uh, industrial accidents. Oh it's, yeah. They've had neuro injuries. They've had strokes. They've had a lot of bodybuilders with muscle tears. Hmm. There's a certain disease where uh, bodybuilders will so the fibers from the, the where the medial pack plugs in starts to widen and they'll get a gaposis there. Um, people that have Pollen's disease, that's where they could be missing their pec muscle or their entire left arm. Wow. Like all things are things that people think, oh, he's just a plastic surgery, bad person, go to the gym, <laughs> you're a bad person. You know, no, we're like reconstructing people's bodies just like we do for your Aunt Susie that had breast cancer. Look, this poor kid fell out of a tree. He's got a big muscular arm on him and he's got a withering little seven-year-old boy arm on this side. And we're going to make him walk down the street where people don't see the difference immediately. Like, that's a big deal, you know? So that's huge. we're not just bad people that want to make the world look prettier. Right. So that's a, that's a serious purpose and it's got to be really fulfilling to you in that, in that side. Yeah. I mean, when somebody walks out of your, like I was looking at your website and I'm like, is this real? Is this, this gotta, this gotta be real. I've never seen something like that. 
And I, you know, like I said, I'm 38. I, I keep myself in good shape, but I, you know, shout out to my boy, RV fit guy. He keeps me in good shape, but I don't, um, I, I, you know, I, I never, I haven't never imagined that, but I guess maybe I'm not the candidate, but you know, like, you later. Um, <laughs> don't give me you know, 10 all, years, right? You know, they all <laughs> say that. You know, how many times when I moved to New York and, and, you know, the pretty blind girl, first of all, you can't, you can't be a hater because there's somebody that wasn't born as handsome as you, as built as you, as good looking, as rich as you, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't somebody that had all your genetic blessings. Sure, sure. For you to sit there, or the or the pretty the pretty rich girl I say that had the beautiful the last you know I call it rich baby genes. Where if your family's rich enough and you keep on marrying pretty women, you know I hate to be sexist, but as a man, yeah. the man that inherited the, for generations, and as long as the pretty woman, pretty soon that your ugly sons are actually going to turn relatively good looking. <laughs> you know? Sometimes yeah. I'm seeing royal families. Sometimes I'm not going to mention any royal family in particular, but if you're generations and generations marrying more pretty people, I call it rich baby genes, the kids with ugly fathers start to get good looking no matter what. Interesting. But if, you, if you're one of those pretty girls that you're, you're born rich and born naturally beautiful, and you say, listen, all I want to look like is Tory Burch, and I, you know, you're already beautiful. Right. But what about the girl next to you that just has a hump on her nose that's really not happy with? or didn't get the perfect genes, magical genes that you get, why should you be shaming her if she just, you know, spends 45 minutes, gets put to sleep, and then she can, she can be pretty like you or feel comfortable with herself. So I'm not going to put any judgment. But, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, that's probably like it. They, she just feels more comfortable if she had something changed or augmented or different. Yeah. And that's totally fine. Well, let's talk about yeah. that for one second. Gotta sure. watch our, I got to watch your time here. Hold on. We're, oh, man, 54 minutes in, buddy. Wow. Yeah. I want to know what, whatever, whatever, whatever you are doing for energy. I want it. I want to know when I have dinner with you, you reveal the secret to me. <laughs> um, it's all crazy. <laughs> so the, no, I, the, I, I have, I do have a lot of, I do have a lot of energy. It's luckily it's worked well for me. Yeah. Cause I was driving in the right direction. You know, yeah. it's like yep. everybody's got a little addictive personality. My addiction has shifted from one thing to the other. Never anything like really super yeah. bad, but you know, it's chocolate to ice cream, but now it's just work, you know, very boring, it. but it has to be good for what I do. I get that. Oh, one thing yeah. I want to go back to real quick for the audience is pay close attention to what Dr. Doug said about, you know, going down the line and seeing all these different doctors. That's your mentor. And Aaron and I, my partner, Aaron, we, we talked about this and we're going to talk about it actually tonight when Aaron comes in, like your your we were coaching some some uh of the team of beverly hills last week and we were talking about um mindset as as leverage right as systems and mindset you don't think about like when you look at the the guy on instagram who's got a lambo and a jet and a bentley and this big ass house and all this stuff and then you set a goal to be like that guy you have to set a mindset goal too and understand what that guy's mindset is because if he doesn't care about the same stuff you do, if he doesn't value the same things you do, you don't want to model after him just because he has some things that you want to have. And so like what you're saying is just because one doctor taught you, like you don't have to learn that way. You went down the line and you became a, 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 a new 
doctor with pieces from all those doctors that you like that fit you. Even though you were becoming this person, you still took things that felt right to you, right? And you would probably resist the things that just didn't feel right to you. Like, you know, I, doc, that's just awkward. That's weird. I'm loving that. I like Dr. B over here. He's got a really cool way of doing that. I'm going to adopt that. And you lock it in. So the same thing for everybody listening is have a bunch of different mentors, have an idea of the life you want, the, uh, the psychology, the understanding of who you are, the, the, who you're being, the, the mindset, the stuff you want and have different mentors for that. And then you become a mix of all those 10, 20, 55, whatever it is, guys or women that you've modeled and you've perfected that. Beautifully, beautifully said, you know, but then, but then infuse your own ideas. Yeah, totally. You know, your own way, way that you want to go be a little bit, you know, of of a forward thinker. Yeah. The thing people forget is you got to bust your ass. Yep. every single day you know yeah. i love to first that there's like four hour work week and this <laughs> like i love the guy he's amazing yep. fantastic but you know uh, you gotta get you gotta put your work in it's it's work i agree least, you know what that wow. worked for that worked for tim that worked okay. for him right and then if you try yeah, to you're right, you're right for for i think for guys like us who are tim's a very calm different type of energy guy I don't yeah. think that the four hour work week works for guys like us who are like, let's roll, let's roll, let's roll, let's roll, let's do this, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think but you're right. The other thing is maybe I'm wrong. I'm an entrepreneur, but I have a day job. Like I I'm running the donut factory, but I gotta go down there every day and I gotta make the donuts. Yeah, true. <laughs> Most business people, like I have a buddy of mine, Mike Stein, shout out Mike Stein. He's at Google, the next OXO, now he's RT, this funky, cool. He's going to be a gazillionaire because they're selling all the 20th century art on an app called Artsy. He's the CEO of it. That's cool. This guy is brilliant. And he says, I'm always laid out to East Hampton. I'm always like, because I, because I'm, you know, still in the arm, still working, I'm doing this. And Mike's like, I don't understand it. He's got a place in Beverly Hills. He started a place in Chicago. He's in New York. Like he said, when is Doug going to stop mowing the lawn? Yeah. And the lawn mowing company. I'm glad you said that because I was actually, I was going to ask you that because I want to know as a surgeon, you're the guy and you got to train and you got to do all these things. So yeah. When do you get, when do you, when are you actually leveraged out to where you can just be the CEO and yeah, it's, I mean, I, I I love what I do. Yeah. There may be, yeah, I think that there may be some of it that I always do, but at some point I'm going to to be able to move the company forward. I'm going to have to step away from sure. a little bit, sure. and it's hard for me because that's you know letting control because I'm such a freak about control and results and patient care, and I'm a freak about the quality of it. That's why I trained somebody for almost a year to be able yeah. to do what I've done and only pick the most the, the best people, which are the most expensive people. But I, but I do it because I, I'm freaked about quality control. Um, but at some point, I will have to step back and allow other people to do it. Um, you know, that Bezos thing. Yeah, I get that. And it, your, but your business is not like Bezos's. This is this no, is your, this is your yeah, specialty. Bezos doesn't have to like 
baked the books. No, no, or, bo- yeah, or box them yeah, up. No, he doesn't have to go down no. there and like put the, put the tape on the no. boxes, <laughs> licking those labels. <laughs> no, I don't think Jeff Bezos is licking any labels. No, probably not. I mean, yeah, no, 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 no. Nah. <laughs> All right, so wait, real quick. I forgot to go to psychology and ego. Go through that real quick. It's been an hour, so I want to be respectful of your time. Your call. Yeah. Psychology and ego. Does somebody get surgery, just a regular, just a, a, an aesthetic, you know, bonus surgery? Not like they had a, you know, deformity or something. Does somebody look in the mirror and I'm going to give you an example. Did you ever watch Arrested Development? Yes. Remember um, Lindsay, Portia de Rossi, the sister? Yeah, yeah, the sister, yeah. So I, I thought she was very beautiful. And season one and yes. two... Great, right? Then the next season, I think it was either, I think it's season four, when she's revealed, her face is completely different. Her hairline's different. Everything's different. And I was like, wow, "Wow, I wonder, I was actually watching that episode last night. I wonder what she thinks when she looks in the mirror. Like, does she see her, like a, almost like body dysmorphia. Do you see yourself as you see yourself or do you see yourself as you actually look? Do you have to deal with that? With the patients? Yeah, we deal with a lot. Body just we deal with a lot of body dysmorphia, and sometimes we even send them out for counseling. And sometimes we even have uh, have them clearance for it before they go on a surgery. And yeah. a lot of times, fifty percent of the times, we just say you're not a surgical candidate. Got it. And then they want to pay all, you know. And then you say, no, you and I just agree on what we think is aesthetically pleasing. I, I then finally you have to blame it on yourself. It's not you, it's me. My hands can't <laughs> right. these hands. Yeah. I can't give you what you're really saying is I can't agree with what you want. Right. I'm not put my I'm not I'm not gonna put my name on no. your face. So uh, I politely decline. And uh, we do see a lot of body dysmorphia. Some of the ego that we see is actually has to do with business. Like I get a lot of what I call that other iconotype, the CEO, yeah. uh, CEO guy, the Wolf of Wall Street guy, and we have a lot of them come in. Because they're young, they're like in their 30s, uh, 30s, 40s, just starting to hit it. And they're getting a team around them. And they may be sort of kind of average guys. But if they have a grid, I do a thing called male model makeover where we completely change your jawline. So we give them a much stronger chin, either with a chin implant or a wraparound implant or with just injectables. I have these amazing videos on YouTube for male model makeover. Yeah. 15 minutes take you from the homely kid to this like, raving um uh it's all about the jawline and chico so i injected in in 10 minutes so these guys do it for two reasons number one it's not just you think oh he wants the babes i want a babe i want a babe right it's not really what they want is they they think if they look more confident they'll be more likely to close the deal in the boardroom which really does happen fair so yeah totally fair also they want they want to build a team and people can't help themselves they are attracted by good-looking people yep. that look hard. So if you're that guy on Wall Street and you're running a hedge, you know, hedge fund or a finance guy, and there are a bunch of analysts around you that want to be a part of the winning team, they want that guy that's the looking guy or the Brad Pitt-looking guy that um, is sexy and is going to go in the boardroom and they're going to close that deal and make it happen. And they actually, it's called the um, Kanye West. Did you ever see that? that study, the Kanye West hypothesis. No. no. And, um, it's about looking the part and being the part and, oh. you know, until you make it. Yep. So guys, uh, they actually, they actually, 
spend 15 minutes and we inject 15, 20 syringes, they look fantastic and they feel much better. They do get laid a little bit more. I didn't just say that, but they do. <laughs> right. Disclaimer. They, they, they immediately like move up to the next dating, uh, the next dating crowd. That's all right. But they close more deals. They get a better team around them because they start to become more confident in themselves. And other people can't help it. They become more confident in them because of their look. Sure. Now, the Kanye thing is really interesting. This is the last thing where I've worried about. Kanye West, it's called the Kanye West phenomenon, where if you actually, can I say bullshit? Of course. If you actually like, talk about how wonderful you are, and if you actually talk with your great grandia's ideas, whether true or untrue, after so much time, you gain a group of people around you. If you're confident enough, you have such conviction, whether it's a little bit off the wall or not, yeah. you start to build a team around you and it turns from something that's fluffy and cloud-like into a tank, into an army. And that's exactly, the, it's the Kanye West phenomenon. And that's what he did. Yeah. It's the Muhammad Ali phenomenon. That's what he did. You start to get this entourage and people want to go with the winner and they see your courage. They see, um, they see your confidence real or not based on what's real or not. Yeah. And you start to succeed because your success starts to breed success. And this kind of, that's that's so it's super cool. That's, I mean, it's like, uh, it's like vision casting. It's, 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 it's not prophesizing, but you know, Jim Carrey did that with, uh, a $10 million check. And he ran around Hollywood showing everybody that check. And dumb, when Dumb and Dumber came to him, uh, it was t- it paid him 10 million bucks. And he said uh-huh. everybody, to everybody, I'm going to cash this check one day. I'm going to be a famous actor and I'm going to get paid this for a movie. Here's the check. Here's the check. Here's the check. Yeah, it's fake it till you make it. Or just cast the vision right. so freaking heavy that it scares the shit out of you to fail even more than yeah. it does to actually succeed. So that's awesome. All right, real quick. What books are you reading? What kind of personal development do you do to... Just keep your mind in check. You know, it's it's actually I keep I keep a lot of uh, I keep a lot of YouTube videos, a lot yeah. about fun. My next thing is real estate. I'm getting really into real estate right now, and um, I'm uh, getting into like uh, I, I want I like to buy houses. You know, I'm, I'm interested in buying sort of houses. They can be not flipped, but I'll 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 turn down. I have a great builder out in East Hampton, so I'm getting interested in that. Just tiny little projects where we can build a tiny little thing and rent it out, maybe for weekends. Or I just do it as a side hobby. So I'm listening to a lot of real estate stuff and learning about how to plan with taxes and how to structure things. Uh, and I just got a couple new LLCs. Uh, that have to do with real estate. So I'm really Love into it. the YouTube videos about real estate and about saving and reinvesting. It's awesome. That's thing now. It's awesome. All right, what did we learn here today, Dr. Doug? A lot. We learned a lot today. We learned a lot. This is the most unique interview I've ever done. And it's the same. It's the same in terms of growth and believing in yourself and confidence and going forward and, you know, such a different spin that like you nailed it today, man. When, when I saw your bio and I was like, this guy seems really cool. I think I'm going to have him on exceeded my expectations. Exceeded. Yeah. It was great to be here. Really a pleasure, man. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Well, listen, if we, uh, uh, everybody can, any, anybody who's interested and wants to find out about Dr. Doug, you can go on mentalpurposepodcast.com. All, he'll, all his stuff, the business stuff, his name, books, all that stuff, the 50 million things you do are going to be in the show notes. And um, you can also go to mentalpurposepodcast.com to get anything you want about the show, the free course we have coming up, the t-shirts we've got printed, which I'm going to get you one. Everything you need to know, mentalpurposepodcast.com or my website, ianlobos.com. Everybody, I appreciate you. Thank you, Dr. Doug, for being here. This is a real treatment, real awesome. Thank you, man. Absolutely. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks again for listening to the Men on Purpose podcast, where our mission is to educate, elevate, and activate every man to truly live their best, most fulfilling life possible. To find out more about the podcast, our guests, or becoming a man on purpose, visit menonpurposepodcast.com and choose your most purposeful path forward.